So if you're at home this weekend, you're probably going through a lot of power. You're running the fridge, the freezer. You've got the air conditioning cranked. It's hot in the Chicago area right now. You've got a tablet, a phone, a laptop, a desktop. It costs a lot of money to power a home, an apartment, a condo, a lean-to. And power rates, electricity rates are just going to keep going up. ComEd will keep raising those rates through the years. So imagine, if you will, having cost certainty for the first time ever. That's what you get when you go solar. Sopel, S-O-P-E-L, solar.com will help you on your way to get those solar panels on your home, get cost certainty, and start saving money right after installation. Nothing out of pocket, zero money down. It doesn't hurt just to explore. It could be game-changing for you. SopelSolar.com. Yes, we could jungle pussy 24-7. 24-7 jungle pussy. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's going to be the title of this episode. I can feel it. (laughs) It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Welcome to Carcon Carne. I'm James Van Alstel. I'm recording this on July 3rd. This is episode 751. I realize the past couple of weeks, people's schedules are all off. People aren't in their normal habits, whether it's commuting or just anything they're doing. So you may have missed over the past couple of weeks, Midjur, legendary musician Midjur, the person who co-created Live Aid and Band-Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? He wrote that song. Midjur of Ultravox. He was on the show recently. Also, Mark Rose from Spittlefield. He has created a platform. It's been around for a while, but it's really picking up steam right now. A platform called Downright, which allows us, us civilians, to commission custom songs from pretty cool and pretty big name artists. That's called Downright. We talked about that at an awesome Edgewater restaurant called Beard and Belly. That was a super fun episode. Also, Kyle from Soothsayer Hot Sauce. What a great story about local entrepreneurship. That's worth listening. And Take the Reins. Love that band. They perform live in the car, as you do when you do a podcast like this. So as the world is at best metaphorically ending and at worst, literally speeding into oblivion, we can turn our focus tonight to the apocalypse. Oh, you thought this was a date. Apocalypse Poems is the just released collection from Chicago poet C. Russell Price. Price is a Windy City Times 30 under 30 honoree. Price is my guest tonight. Russell, hi. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. This book, I'll tell you, you have a beautiful, just an absolutely beautiful way with words, but this is not a peaceful read, this book. No, no. I mean, it's like, do you think the doomsday would be like a a pleasure beach read? (laughs) Like the shit's falling apart either due to like societal bullshit or like your own like inactivity. Um, It's not really one that you're like, oh, stocking stuffer. (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, Apocalypse Poems, what is it about the end of the world? Because the second I saw that, oh. I'm like, oh, I want to read that. Because I'm drawn to I'm drawn to that dark shit, just no matter what, like, like a moth to a flame. Oh, totally. I mean, it's fascinating. Because, like, if you think of, like, like, the end period in all kinds of ways, like, how is that rooted in, like, our comfort, our, like, American fantasies of, like, oh, we're going to survive this or, um, you know, religious uh, tones. Like 
the end is fascinating because it could take so many different ways. Um, it could either be extremely personal or a collective experience. It's not, it's not just like a one trick pony. What was your track that led you to being this prolific as a poet? Had you always been a writer? Oh yeah. I've always written. Like I would do like silly little like chat books of poems when I was like in elementary school. And then, when I was growing up in Virginia in like a small town of like a thousand people, uh, we didn't have creative writing classes or any kind of access like that. So I had to do it all online and I would like go to the high school library at 7am to like send in these really shitty, shitty poems that are like, <laughs> and there are these feelings. I don't want to talk about it. It's like, girl, you're gay. Like girl, you're gay. Um, so like entering creative writing that way. And then I did a lot of playwriting in undergrad. And then I stumbled upon poetry when I was like 18, 19. And then I've been writing ever since. Uh, I turned 26 next week. Um, that's a lie. I am way older than 26, but it'd be fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've just been doing poetry because I love it. I love that I get more control over the narration, the, mm -hmm. the scene, like, I know we're going to talk about music later, but like just creating the atmosphere in a creative work, especially poetry, you can get away with so much more shit that you can't do in fiction or um, even theater. It just feels very confined to someone else's direction. And in poetry, I can, I can control everything. I can control meter. I can control breath. I can control all of it. You sound drunk with power. Oh, totally. <laughs> Furiously drunk with power. Like, um, uh, yeah, Fallout Boy got a God complex cock and pull it. <laughs> when I was uh, starting in broadcasting decades ago at this point, Russell, uh, when I was starting, you know, I had plenty of people telling me, well, there's no way you can do this. I'm sure along the way you had people say, you want to do what? You, you want to write poetry? Good luck. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the same with any art form. Like, you yeah. expect this, like, heroic trope of like the struggling beat down artist and like a lot of us are living that shit because that's the reality of it like and my current situation is joyful because i'm doing labor and work that i love to survive i do um landscaping so i mostly worked with flowers so that's why the book has a lot of foliage and floral influences um and like that influences my work and lets me do my creative work while doing a survival job. If I was doing academic bullshit, like I used to do, like I would not have the energy to do creative work. Um, and like this idea of like, Oh, what can you do as a poet? Like, what can you do as anything? Like, like your occupation shouldn't have to define or even like not to be like romantic about it, but like, your calling as like a creator or like whatever. Like if I had it my way, I would have done so many other different art forms because there's so many that are fascinating, but I'm not good at any of them. I am fucking good at poetry and I fucking know it. You mentioned flowers and right out of the gates, you have um, the an anti Armageddon poem where you talk about planting flowers that will die um taking things blossom by blossom by blossom it sounds to me and i correct me if i'm wrong it sounds to me like this is almost a glass half full perspective mm. 
there's no fucking glass. It's the end of the world. Like, <laughs> there, I mean, it's just, you know, it's accepting the good with the bad of like, you know, no matter what, there's going to be these moments of Armageddon. And like, that's what I'm trying to get at the book. Like, it's not necessarily the like cinematic approach to doomsday, but instead it's the loss of a parent. It's the betrayal of a friend, the death of a friend. It's how the world ends for everyone, individual aspect all the fucking time. And like, until you start realizing like how your actions really influence the demise of our communities, it's, it's, it's um, suffocating. So I think that's what I'm really getting at in the book is that there are all kinds of ways the world ends. Things get pretty dark pretty quick as I'm reading through this. I, I'm assuming that you're not speaking or you're not writing third person. This is all observations from a life lived through hardship and brutality. Yeah, totally. Which makes this super hard to read. Um, I, I mean, like I said, you have a beautiful way with language, but this is this is tough like knowing that okay this is the shit russell went through oh my god oh, yeah well i love it because i mean that sounds really fucked up but i love like whenever someone says like your work is like very intense or very dark or very triggering or what the fuck ever <laughs> like i i always want to ask like what part of it though like i'm get i got dragged on the fucking internet because the book didn't have a sensory warning or a trigger warning or anything like that for childhood abuse, drug abuse, sexual assault, what the fuck ever. And, and it's like, Oh, you, you wanted to call out that, but you didn't want to call out generational trauma, gun violence, racism, like the shit that makes you feel uncomfortable makes you make like, that is what's driving your, your uncomfortability right now as opposed to all the things that I'm trying to touch on. Um, and when, when the book got picked up, it was like two years ago and I was like, Oh, I don't want to be known as like a book about child rape or about child abuse or what the fuck ever. And the publisher was like, no, like you, you can't think of it just as one vein of what you're telling your, your identity is intersectional. It's not just this happened and this. It's this happened and this has already happened in the past lead up to, you know, um, class or race or gender. Back to Armageddon origin story. I mean, you talk about molestation, but in true poetic form, it, it's set against this almost like Pleasant Valley Sunday backdrop yes. that everything's fine around you, but that that mm -hmm. shit's going on. And I like that kind of the duality. Yeah. Yeah. And like this this feeling of like, even, I mean, that's how like trauma responses and like complex PTSD and all that is like, it feels constantly like the world is crumbling. And if you can make a beautiful container of flowers, like that is, that is a challenge to what's like haunting you. Um, and the book is, is gunning for that. It's gunning for boys showing up with a keg and a pickup truck like not letting fate or circumstance keep the speaker from, from fighting for joy. Uh, and like as, as dark as like we've already sounded about like the subject matter, it's, it's a happy book. It's a fucking dark, funny book. It's funny. Like, yes, it it's is. funny as shit. Like <laughs> imagine 
you are doing sex work and all of a sudden the world starts ending and you are stuck with this John and does he miss you? Does he love you? Is this your life from now on? Like there can be funny moments. Like, I mean, it would be hilarious to watch shit just fall out of the sky. Like not planes. Like that would be very like traumatic, but just like (laughs) birds, blimps, you know, I mean, it's the end. It's already fantastic and surreal. It doesn't have to be all dark all the time. Yeah. It's one thing to talk around the themes of the book, but could I presume to ask you to read a poem from from it? Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's see. I picked out two for you. Oh, excellent. Uh, So I'll read you one of these. And then when we talk about music later, I have one more selected for you. Um, Okay. Uh, This one's called, does he like you or is he just Midwestern? We are sitting in the front yard and I too want the end of something, a prairie, a dark house, an empty car running in the cult of midwinter death. I say, your body told me in a dream it wasn't afraid of anything. If I were to be completely honest, I don't think either of us could handle what I want. Give me boundless love and handfuls of Valium. You sort of bring the desert with you. I am radiant in the bomb glow echoing across the county line. We should fuck wherever we want. Honey, suckle from my furried tit since there's a bad moon rising and I hear hurricanes blowing. I have loved you all my life. All my life, I have loved you. Between the curtains of bombs, I wait for you, smoking at the cornfield stage door. Damn. That's and, and there's a music reference in there too, which is amazing. Yeah. CCR. There's so <laughs> there's yeah, that one. Uh yeah, that's the that's the only one really in that one. I mean, you set the stage. I mean, right at the beginning of oh, you thought this was a date, which by the way, love the title. Uh you set Thank the you. stage with music, you know, lyrics from people like Stevie Nicks and Amy Winehouse and the mm. strokes. And then there are the chapters. It's a nice day to start again. It's a nice day for a white wedding. Dance yourself clean. Uh, you talk about what you were listening to, stuff like Donovan and the Who. I mean, music certainly defines a lot of who you are and what this book is. It's mostly been how like music became almost uh, a character and mm-hmm. like a reference point where I, you know, everyone has that feeling of like music is the quickest, like access to memory. And it felt like that throughout the book to be like in this moment, in which I'm talking about these poems, when I listen to this song, I'm not listening to that song. I'm listening to that song when I am 15 in Virginia, like picking tomatoes and doing whatever, like I am, experiencing this moment of witnessing Stevie Nicks for the first time in music. Uh, Music is constantly flowing through it because there is no grounding point but music. Um, I talk about it a lot with my therapist where like my favorite thing is to curate playlists of every day when I hear a new song or something I haven't heard in forever that brings back something like just primal and beautiful added to a monthly playlist uh and they're all like horribly titled just like really shitty titled like uh april showers bring the fall of the patriarchy 
uh, you are the May Queen, June Bug, and then currently uh, Jew Cheat and July. Um, yeah, I just I'm obsessed with how music can interact within within poetry, within creative work. Do you collect records? No, no, I'm poor. So I mostly do Spotify and just listen to music constantly. I mean, just like right now I'm in a uh, WAP inspired binge Hmm. um, and just feeling the lyric. Like also that's the other thing with poetry that separates it from all the other like writing genres is that like meter can like really fuck with how you are in the poem um, or how you interact with language in the poem. So when I have like uh, an intro to a chapter that has like a slow jam, like, and people's, I can't stand the rain. Like all of a sudden, like the, the air is sucked out of the room because there is just this soulful blues song playing while you're reading that section. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing too. It's like the book is meant to be like, you saw a song, fucking play it. Like get off your ass and do something. Like this isn't a, just sit down and read the damn book. You mentioned that you have another poem to read that ties back to music. Yes. Uh, so this one's called My Sexual Identity is a Toaster in a Bathtub. Just to jump ahead a little bit, you talk about legislation in the book. While a cis man signs another bill to kill me, There is so much going on with LGBTQIA rights and issues as they relate to modern politics, so much so that it seems like an awful lot to parse through, a difficult amount to parse through, let alone on this podcast or in this conversation. I can't focus on all the shit that is going on against the community and still live a pleasant, joyful life. Like if I only consumed all the hate mongering then I wouldn't be able to get anything done. And like, also like, what can you do with that anger? And like, I'm really trying to figure that out in the book too, of like this shit happened, but like, what can I do with that? And, you know, um, abortion rights are queer rights. Uh, Homeless issues are queer issues that everything that affects a marginalized voice will impact a queer LGBTQIAA voice, like all of those things will impact the queer community. And even if it doesn't directly impact a person because they are, you know, don't have a uterus or whatever, that doesn't fucking matter. Like you have to act and you have to do something in a way that sustains you, but is also directively targeting um, resistance. And if that means like, you know, supporting uh, someone on GoFundMe or whatever. Like you got to figure your shit out. Like you just can't be pissed off in your apartment. Like it's nothing done. Okay. So my sexual identity is a toaster. Is a toaster in a bathtub. Perfect segue. Perfect segue. My sexual identity is a toaster in a bathtub. In the last Heather field, I keep saying with pop sugar, I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral, can't understand what I mean, well, you soon will. I have the tendency to wear my mind on my sleeves. I have a history of taking off my shirt. And I say, and I sing lines I never loved the first go around, but everything's sore. I've made myself a siren too often. If somebody heard me and loved me, they would have told me by now. 
Love, I'm squalling about your nose tomorrow when I reach what's left of Texarkana. It's been 888 nights since I finally left the house we can never afford. Your dead body is seven cities away in that house, all Mr. Blue Sky, shingle-crowned, burned down. How? Well, let's say, why save something that's never felt your footsteps? I'm living in a constant museum, this world of why I misuse my beard, a halo of half lavenders, an everyday red-faced soundscape of what's left and, well, what else is left. If something like you still walked upright, he'd find me on this last single patch of parakeet green and shaking me, he would stop the sleep singing, the coup of, I've got so much honey. The bees and be me. It's almost like an Easter egg hunt identifying all the music stuff on <laughs> Thank that. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like I keep getting dragged for like people who are being like, I don't get the references. And it's like, well, yeah, you weren't born in this decade or had this social experience to media. Like you expect everything to be hand fed to you of right. of cultural identity or like like that is like the most fun thing about meme culture or, you know, people who are now living as non-techno natives who've always grown up with easy accessibility are, ex- are expecting to be given the link, the sources to everything. And so it's like, oh no, you get that that's a bare naked ladies or a thread blind or um, ELO or the temptation. ELO, thank you. Like, it if you get it you get it i mean that's also the play of 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 poetry and language of code switching of you know my shit reads to you completely different i don't think code switching is as commonly known as a phrase as you and i might know it and and let me see if i if i've got it right code switching is when you kind of have to change who you outwardly are to fit in with with another social group or work group or whatever is that close to accurate it's more of like you are able to be your most authentic voice directed towards one person. Like how I talk to you is completely different than how I talk to, you know, my gay best friend or whatever, where it's like the language I use with him is not the language I use with you. And so when I accidentally switch in certain phrases or whatever with, with someone of not that identity marker or that cultural marker, that's when it switches. Um, where it's more about authenticity, authenticity between the speaker and the recipient than it is about the recipient. Okay, so the book, Oh, You Thought This Was a Date, Apocalypse Poems, mm-hmm. is available now. You can stream it, you can buy it for real. I, I'm assuming based on this book, based on just talking to you, there, there's more stuff where that came from. Uh, no. I- really? Really? <laughs> No, no. So the book was accepted in uh, 2020, right before the Pandaroni hit. And <laughs> Pandaroni. so I, I got that at Sparrow last week. It was delicious. That's delightful. Uh-huh. It comes with extra onions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I only wrote one poem in two years because it was more of survival. Like, mm. like the book was written out of survival against mm-hmm. the topic of, you know, the heavy shit. Like I had to write my way out. Like I could find no way out of talking about this shit. And all of a sudden 
other people who experienced feel very relatable or if you have your own experience, it feels very relatable. Um, And once that felt done, I didn't feel the need to have to say anything. I'd already said everything I need to say. Um, And you can't really drop a book that the first chapter is called Pretended Pandemic when a fucking pandemic is going on and there are pandemic deniers. So we put it on the back burner for two years. Wow. Um, And I only wrote one poem from the book that like landed. It was Fetch the Bolt Cutters after Fiona Apple. Sure. Sure. Um, (laughs) That was just, that was everything. And that was a major uh, creative moment for me, which is influencing the next book that I've already started working on. um, Because I'm working on an essay collection and then working on another book of poetry about um, compulsion and uh, restricting form to deal with subject matter that is about how we just feel the need to do what we do. Um, and then I'm also planning a, a, so the theater background, all of that influences so much of my poetry writing. And so the next event I'm planning is a silent poetry walk along the beach in which you get an audio file, you know, an hour beforehand. And it's a guided movement along the lake. And it's about uh, collective experience within the, the intimate. Uh, all of a sudden you're listening to me read a poem and then you hear music and then we wind up in Target and you hear a poem about Target. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's fun as shit because I'm fucking tired of literary people and their bullshit of just like producing the same events where mm-hmm. you stand up at a lectern and you're like, here's my song or just here's my poem. Like, that's what you're giving me. We went through isolation and you're still doing the same art you did before we went like, no. And want, that's that's and, true and of like, all industries. You realize it's it's not just publishing, it's not just poetry. All industries are are just going back to the way things have always worked and they have to change. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. To, to take an academic approach to this book does it a, a total disservice. Yeah. Well, because the academic is not going to touch on the pop cultural because it's viewed as low class. Right. Like we want to think that, like, you know, I got jungle pussy as an opening quote. Every person I've interviewed with and like reporters and whatever, they always want to bring up Stevie Nicks, but they don't want to bring up Jungle Pussy. Like, what is that? Like, well, I, you know, no I didn't shade, bring, no hang shade on. to you. No, no shade to hang you. On. I but just bring, say, I could talk Jungle Pussy all day long. Yes, but let's do it. Jungle Pussy, Jungle Pussy, Jungle Pussy. Uh, yeah. They, honestly, Jungle Pussy is a blind spot to me. I, I, I know more about mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks than I do Jungle Pussy. Yeah. If you're more familiar with Jungle Pussy, we'd be Jungle Pussying all day. But I, I just... Oh my God. Yes. Yes. We could Jungle Pussy 24-7. 24-7 Jungle um, Pussy. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh my God. That's going to be the title of this episode. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking title. It's, it's like, it's like, we you can know. Jungle Pussy 24-7. <laughs> so, okay. I love, um, the, I love the idea that kind of experiential way of going yeah. through things like you described with, you know, the, the walk and then ending up at target. And then there is a poem that ties you into that sensory experience of being inside a target. I, I, I think that's a really cool concept. Thank you. I mean, it's also like that demystification of poetry. Mm-hmm. Like yes. everyone is so shy of it because they're afraid of not getting it. And it's like, what about just like 
the wordplay? What about the funniness of catching that Easter egg mm-hmm. or aligning um, with just a phrase that just feels right? You know? Yeah. I, I mean, on a very superficial level, this book gives you sex. It gives you drugs. It gives you rock and roll. I mean, yes, man. this is, this is not your grandfather's poetry book. No, but I've had people get it for like their grandkids or like their fa- like family. It's been very weird. It's been very weird of like, uh, they, they know me as a person or as whatever and don't know subject. And then all of a sudden it's just, Oh shit. I'm signing a book and being like <laughs> to my darling child. Like it's wild. So, all right, before we go, it's worth mentioning that on the debut album from Jungle Pussy, Pregnant with Success, um, <laughs> it opens with Spicy 103 FM, goes into Somebody, Nothing for Me, Country Boy, Pop for You, Only Way, Get It Right, Get to Steppin', About You and Dear Diary. That is the debut from Jungle Pussy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah, that's- that, I mean, that's a poem. That's a that's a spoken word <laughs> moment right there. Like yes. you just did some avant-garde shit. That's actually called flarf, which is flarf. found poetry. Yeah, it's flarf. It's bullshit. It's postmodern. It's fucking dumb. But it's this idea of you walk by anywhere and you find like a grocery list and a sign for the deli checkout menu. And like you make a poem out of it. People are fucking dumb, man. Like poetry's for everyone because of that. Like you can just read the track list of Jungle Pussy, and that is a damn poem and a good one too. That's amazing, and I think you said it. I, poetry does feel out of it feels out of reach for a lot of people, and they just need something to let them know that no, that that's that's bullshit. Here you go. And that, yeah, I think some this- people haven't read a poem since high school. It's like there are cool, there are those grungy bitches in the back of the bar writing little poems with their dirty ass blue hair. And that's me. So like, I hope you are that grungy. Bitch. You, I am. I hope if you want to read a fun little book about stuff, you just read it on up. And uh, yeah, this has been so fun. Oh, you thought this was a date. Apocalypse poems. See Russell Price. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for doing a couple of readings, too. That was unexpected and awesome. Thank you. OK, I'll talk to you soon.